welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, April 27th, 2019. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. And the big news is that, uh, you know, I'm from Miami and a big Miami Dolphins fan, unfortunately, but Dolphins made a trade and I finally don't have to pay extra for a personalized jersey. Uh, the Dolphins now have a quarterback named Rosen. And that, <laughs> is that the big news? That is the big, <laughs> the big news. I can now go. Uh, we are a sports podcast starting now. <laughs> I, I can just go into when I visit Miami again, which will be never, or probably not for a while. I can just go into the local sporting goods store, buy a jersey off the rack with my name on it. What number will it be? Uh, I don't know. Who cares? Okay. He might suck. He might not even play. <laughs> but. <laughs> But hey, the Miami Dolphins have a quarterback named Rosen. They do. And the actual big news of the week is it's my birthday week. Yes. Yes. I do a whole week. That's right. Yes. That's right. So starting Monday, it's just a yes. celebration. It's like a Mardi Gras. Yeah. We're, we're going to be in the streets, getting people to throw us beads <laughs> by any means necessary. No, it's my birthday week. My birthday's on Friday. And I don't know what we're doing exactly, but it's my birthday week. I don't even know what we're doing vaguely. I don't either, but <laughs> I know it's I'm, okay. I'm going to make you dinner one night. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. what I got. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a little more unorganized birthday week than normal, but that's fine. Yeah. Well, Life's a little nuts we're a little right more unorganized than normal. <laughs> so it's, it's not our fault. Okay. Well, I guess that's it. Yeah. So signing so, off. So <laughs> might as well. Uh, Joe Biden jumped in the race officially, officially-ish. Officially, I guess it was official, right? Mm-hmm. But did it's like he, the seventh time, I guess. Uh, God, I, I, we were hoping like he would just not read the fucking tea leaves. But I, I guess it was inevitable. Well, I, what tea leaves? Are tea leaves? I mean, yes, he's raising, my tea leaves. He's raising a ton of money and he's leading the polls. And right, you know, now we I know mean, I already hate him for we, two things. We know it's, it's not, not going to last. We know it's not going to last. It's but. not even like. Three days out, and I'm already mad at him again. Still <laughs> well, for we new were, things. We were mad at him before. I know, but I'm mad at him for in. new things. New things I'm mad at him about. Well, let's talk about that. What what new things? Because <clears throat> so, I've been sort of trying to avoid the Biden stuff because it's just obnoxious. I know. Me too. But then this thing happened, and it really pissed me off. Um, he had this like campaign ad. Um, for his like rollout of I'm running for president because everyone already knows that, but now I'm running an ad. And uh, in it, he uses Heather Heyer um, right. for campaign props. Um, Heather Heyer, as you may remember, is the uh, woman who was murdered by Nazis in Charlottesville. Um, so her mom, uh, Susan Bro. Basically said that um, a day after the ad dropped, Mm -hmm. she got a call from Biden. um, Better late than never. Quote, that was the first time I had ever spoken to Joe Biden or anyone related to his office. She had no idea that her daughter's murder was going to be um, used as in his campaign. Um, She says the two discussed grief as Biden has lost a wife, a daughter and son. Um, She says that he said something like, I would have reached out sooner, but I wasn't sure how you'd feel. And she said back to him, yes, I noticed you didn't mention her name because you didn't contact me. Mm -hmm. So we sort of acknowledged that much. 
Um, he characterizes her in the ad as a brave young woman who lost her life. Mm. I don't think that's what happened, Trav. I think that she was an extraordinary person who was murdered by Nazis, is what I think happened. She yeah. didn't lose her life. Just wasn't like, we don't know where it is. Yeah, this is going to be a whole thing we're going to have to talk about because Biden bringing her up, uh, which if Biden does know how to do one thing, I guess it's troll because he managed to troll Trump into now relitigating Charlottesville again. But let's finish this thought and this story first right. before I get into so that. So when she was asked um, if she would have preferred for him to use her name, she said pretty much like, not really. I guess it doesn't matter. The issue's about the hate, not about Heather. But it's, that's, that's, uh, he made it about Heather. So I don't know. Um, there were rumors that she was devastated and traumatized about her daughter's death being invoked. She said that that's not uh, true, but that she did say that um, she told Biden the ad was likely would be traumatizing and triggering for other people from Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And then went on to note that um, I don't think he's ever been to Charlottesville. I've never seen him in town. I don't think he's ever been here. Or maybe he has in the past, but I don't know. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, so, okay. So. I, you know, I have, I don't want to say mixed feelings, but I, I think I am a little ambivalent. I, I think Joe could have handled this better. And I think certainly it is right. And we absolutely should bring up Charlottesville. And yes. in the difference with how our candidates feel about Nazis. that and this kind of thing as it compared to Trump. So it, it's not like this should be off limits. Um, but it would have been no. Much, of course not. It, it should be. Been, of course, it should be a, a central thing that we talk about. But it would have been a lot more tactful and and just better for him to reach out beforehand and and be like, look, I in my campaign rollout, I'm not asking for an endorsement or anything. I just in my campaign rollout, I I would like to mention your daughter. Um, and I don't know why he wouldn't have done that beforehand. His excuse didn't make a lot of sense. What was it? Uh, he, he said, like, I didn't reach out to you beforehand. Because oh, yeah, because I didn't know how you would have felt. Well, now, now... Well, now I'll just do now it. And I'll now I'll just do I'll it, say, and then I'll reach out? Like, ask for forgiveness, not permission? Right. Not that he needs her permission. I don't think that's what anyone's saying. It's just, like, I'm going to use this thing without any, like, thought, forethought about the people that are directly involved in it, right? Like, you know, this is not just about Charlottesville in this case, especially if you're gonna talk about Heather Heyer, this is about, that is a woman who was murdered by Nazis and mm-hmm. her mom is a person and is struggling with that loss. Um, and I think when you decide to put that in the ad, you don't feel like maybe, hey, just see, heads up, um, this is a thing that we're gonna do and I wanna make sure that we do it in a way that feels respectful to you yeah. and, and just like, also so that you're not just like ambushed but like you just don't see it and that you had no idea I, don't, I mean it's just like sort of basic emotional intelligence which I don't think he has a lot of well that's the problem right and, and over the course of a campaign that shows now Bernie doesn't either and we know that no um, and this is again and I'm going to get into Bernie because you know we love our Bernie bashing but um, I'm going to get into him just completely falling on his face in front of the uh, mm-hmm. the, the women uh, the women of color um, but no, so then Biden, okay. So the other thing that I wish he wasn't running um, is Anita Hill. And, you know, this has been hanging over his head forever since it happened, um, and rightly so. And in the 30 years since the Anita Hill um, hearings, the Clarence Thomas um, 
confirmation hearings. At -hmm. no point has Joe Biden ever reached out to Anita Hill um, to apologize or to, you know, sort of make reparations um, for his behavior during that hearing and the way that she was treated. Um, And (laughs) that's fucked up. And only when he decided to run for president did he feel like, oh, I might need to do something about this. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he reached out to her and apologized, supposedly, and she said, no, it's not enough. And then he went on The View and said that, if you really look at what I did and said, I don't think I treated her very badly. <laughs> so It's like he can't get out of his okay. own way, right? I mean, well, no, he does not think that what he, I, I don't know, I don't know. I, it, it's, I, almost regar- it's almost irrelevant what he thinks at this point. Well, that's problematic. That's too, the problematic right? part. I don't think if you really look at the facts, what I did or said, okay, first of all, it doesn't fucking matter. We'll go back to this again and again until all the people in the fucking back get it. It doesn't matter what you think. Mm-hmm. If you've harmed someone and they feel harmed by your actions, and I think all of us feel harmed <laughs> or feel that she was harmed by his actions, um, then then apologies need to be made, um, regardless of your intent. Um, but secondarily, to say that you called and apologized to her and then to turn it around five seconds later and say, but I didn't do anything wrong, it, it's such a thing that men do, but it's just so fucking frustrating. And yeah. it's like, can you yeah. just be like, look, that was a long time ago and I was a different man then. But and I see, didn't sometimes realize. He, he says stuff like that and you think he's going to start you know, figuring it out. Or going the right no, way with it, and then he walks shit. it back. He did the same shit with the fucking gross things with the ladies. Yeah, no, you you're know? absolutely right. Like, he did the same shit. Like, just say, look, I was a different man then, and I did not realize then the things, I don't, I didn't know then the things I know now. And if I could do it over again, I would do it differently, and I'm fucking really sorry, because that was super fucked up. It was yeah. super fucked up what I did. It was super fucked up what happened to her. Um, and and, and I, we, it was my fault, and I, yeah. I acknowledge it was my fault. And if I could do it over again, god damn, if it was me today instead of me then, I would do it completely differently with a completely different outlook that I didn't have then. But I am, I am fully responsible for what happened, and I'm sorry. And I apologize, and I know it was traumatizing. I realize all of that now, and like, I swear to you, I will do my best to be a different person going forward. Well, we That's ta- all I need you to say. We've talked about this before. Why is it so hard for men to apologize in a way that is not fucking further traumatizing? Because Just say that you're wrong and you did something fucked up and you're sorry. Because in Joe's mind, every time he circles back to that, he thinks back to what he feels his in- true intentions were or what was in his heart. And he thinks it wasn't it wasn't bad. And why should I say I, I'm bad when I wasn't, you know, that, that that's not what I was trying to do. And, but in this case, it is what he was trying to do. But I mean, it, well, it goes beyond that, right? In, in our lives, we always have times where, I, I, unless we're sociopaths or assholes, like I, I don't think most of the time we hurt somebody or upset somebody, we were trying to do that, right? Right. right. Or we had ill intent. We Or at the time, we thought like, what I'm saying makes sense. What right. I like this is how I feel and then you look back and I'm like oh that was kind of a dick move I was being selfish I was I was being inconsiderate mm-hmm. and I some people like Joe and Bernie I just think of them specifically like their egos are so big and they've been doing this for so long and they feel like I have been fighting the good fight how dare you tell me I was doing it wrong right because I've been in the trenches fighting the good fight for decades and it's like yeah, you have, but but that doesn't mean you didn't fuck up now and then. Well, and this is why you don't see a lot of white men in movement work. 
<laughs> they just can't. They can't. They, they, they can't, can't come take, to terms they with. They can't take accountability. And that is what is emphasized in movement communities. Yeah. We all fuck up, but there is accountability to be had. And you better understand how your actions affect other people. And there is room for fuck ups, yeah. but there is no room for no accountability. Yeah. I mean, for fuck's sake, even George Wallace, before he died, prostrated himself and, and went into black churches and was just like, I am so sorry. I have been a horrible, miserable son of a right. bitch to you my whole life. Now, it doesn't make up for all the horrible nope. things he did, but at least he was humble enough to do that. And it's like a lot of these quote unquote uh, progressive men just can't do it. Just can't. Just can't I think bring it, it's a failure of, of really understanding that it's wrong. I think it's really a failure of it's like I know that they think it's wrong, but I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't know why that's wrong. I, do, I just fundamentally don't think it is. And so it's impossible for them to fully apologize because they don't actually understand the harm. Yeah. They don't really understand what why it's wrong. Yeah. Because they haven't done any fucking work. Though they haven't had to do any work. Right. Why do you why do you have to do work when you are in such a place of privilege and power that yep. nothing touches you? Right. You know? Yep. And and that's part of it. And and you know, I mean like again, George Wallace, he had to be paralyzed. Right? He had to have a would be assassin's bullet lodged in his spine to f- find humility. Right. I mean, it shouldn't take that. No. But it's so entrenched. It's this idea that like I have good intentions and I'm not George Wallace and so you can't criticize me and I can't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I don't make mistakes. It's not a mistake. And what kind of sort of narcissistic um, craziness is the idea that you don't make mistakes, that you weren't wrong. You've never been wrong. You've never done something fucked up. You've never needed to apologize to someone. My God. But I can't imagine living in a in a body or a world where I imagine that I would never need to apologize to someone. But that's the aggravating it. thing about Joe because he does these half measures. He he kind of starts to go there and then he backs up and then he's it's because goes. he doesn't really think it's wrong. He yeah. doesn't really think what happened with Anita Hill was either his fault or that what he did personally. If you that's and this is why I think that because when he really when you drill down what he said. When you really look at what I said and did, I don't think I did anything wrong. So, like, I'm not taking responsibility for anything that happened to her because I didn't put pubic hairs on her Coke can. And I wasn't the person who specifically did all of these. But like, and I wasn't he, Orrin Hatch he was who in char- said all right, the horrible things. Right. He right. was in charge, though. Yeah. And he did a lot of things behind the scenes to prevent that hearing from going in a very different way that would have been very good for her instead of very bad for her. But what he would tell you at the time, it would have been bad for her and he was trying to protect her. That's Ugh. what he believes. That's what he believes. So um, fucking patronizing. It is horribly patronizing. And it's like, I don't know how it could have really tell gotten me what's good for me. Worse. No. <laughs> but, yeah. And so, the outcome is that now Clarence Thomas is sitting on the Supreme Court. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's that's where it is. Beyond Anita Hill, which that's already fucked up. But the, there's two two gut punch here. Yeah. Fucked with this lady, and we have Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court. And so, he's just not... Look, there's going to be way more things that come out about his record. Like, he was instrumental in writing a lot of the um, crime bill in the 90s. Yes. Um, he's he, he There's a lot of things he's going to need to apologize for, and if this he is a He stood in the way preview, of banking reform. Yeah, he's, if this is a preview of how Joe Biden's going to apologize for his record or explain his record, we're, he's in deep shit. Well, I think he is, but I remember people, we bring it up again and again and again. He's done this twice before, mm-hmm. and he's not a good campaigner. 
He, he's a good sidekick. He's a good bomb thrower. But as a candidate, even in the age of Trump, because Trump is, is a unique animal that you can't, especially not on our side. Everybody said, well, he can be our Trump. It's like, no, that doesn't work on our no. side. You don't win a primary if you're Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the Democratic no, Party. This is not no. how it works. It's not how it works. It's not how we elect. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, at least I don't think so. And um, that's that's the issue. Um, Joe is going to step in it again and again and again. And he's already doing it. He would say it hasn't been 48 hours. Yep. And he's already stepping in it left and right. And He's fucking with black women. Mm-hmm. And he's fucking with women. Yeah. So... Uh, now, a lot of those women and black women right now are still supporting him because I think the knee-jerk thing is like he's a known quantity. He was Obama's sidekick, and we need somebody who can beat Trump. I don't care. I know all these white people in Scranton like him, so fuck it. I'll vote for him instead of the person I really like. Like, that calculus goes into it. Of course. With with, with people of color, way more than white people. Yes. Way more. They're like... And women. Minority. Any marginalized population will look at their best interest first. Yeah. And their best interest is going to be who can win. None of them are voting for fucking Jill Stein. Nope. Okay? Bottom line. Nope. Like, they don't need perfect. They need not what we have now. They need protection. They need protection. Right. Absolutely. Yes. We all do. Yes. But, you know, they're, they're it's like in their face day and night. So, you know, they don't have the luxury of, of saying I voted as a joke or I voted as a, in a protest or, or whatever. Vote or... or I didn't vote. Right. But anyway, we're not going to pontificate on that. Well, again and maybe again. we will. We always do. <laughs> we always but do. anyway. But anyway, so that's Joe. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's top of the polls right now. And he's. I don't think that matters. I really don't. No, I, I, really I, don't. I don't think so either at this point. I, I really don't. Um, you know, everybody, the latest hip thing is for Nate Silver and everybody to tell us, like, no, 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 it's not just name recognition. This means something. And it's like, sure, it means something today. The election is not for another 18 months. Right. So. Okay, polls right now are useless. Polls don't mean anything right now. That's why I'm not watching any of them because I don't care. Doesn't matter. It's not. not it's not really. reflective of what's going to actually happen right I, now. The only things that are kind of interesting no is when somebody is, goes from zero to shows a heartbeat, shows a pulse, like Mayor Pete. Like that's kind of interesting, and and analyzing why that might be. But other than that, right? You know. It's not like oh well, I guess he's going to win the primary. Like that's not how it works. No. <laughs> but but back to Joe and the Heather Heyer thing because. Sure enough, and I'm going to talk about this, that led to Trump feeling he needed to react. Uh, it, one thing about Biden being in this race is this has Trump spooked as shit. It does, because um, he's connected to Obama, and Trump fucking hates Obama. Well, not just that. He knows that you know if the election were tomorrow, Biden would trounce him. Yeah. Um, so he's... He, he he's really, really kind of knee-jerk with Biden. And Biden, for some reason, and this is weird, has sort of held back a little bit. He hasn't engaged in that um, yet. Uh, but... Well, I think he's trying to prove that he's presidential. Right, right. He's not going to stoop to Trump's Twitter thing. He's not going to... No. If he's smart, he won't do that. No. So, he but, he, but he, he was able to troll Trump into getting... A, I don't remember if it was in the Rose Garden aware and saying... You know, relitigating Charlottesville after Joe Biden said that. Like, oh, well, I wasn't talking about Nazis. There were other fine people who were there about the Robert E. Lee statue. Okay. All right. First of all, there is no evidence there were non-white supremacists there only because they cared about preserving a statue for historical purposes. B, if there were, and those people said, 
okay, it looks like Nazis and white supremacists are organizing and holding this rally because that is who organized the rally. Yes. Self-proclaimed. This is not a thing that we're making up. On the down low, they handed out posters and sent out literature and said, white people unite. They went on fucking, Cantwell went on Vice News and did a thing where he was a white I mean and Jason Kessler went on every radio crying station Nazi. And, like, and TV like they that went we're on they are publicly they Nazis yeah. so no okay. it was it was known what it was so if if you are just a regular old conservative and you said well history is important and they shouldn't take the statue down I don't really like Nazis but I'm going to go march alongside them because it's got something to do with the statue then that makes it okay like I'm when they to- start I'm trying Chanting, to understand the logic. Jews will not replace us. Do you stop marching with them? Because right. you're not a Nazi? <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, like, at what point are you like, mm, this is getting a little too Nazi for me? Right. So and maybe it's not about the statue because Jews will not replace us doesn't have anything to do with Robert E. Lee, as it turns out. And, and us Jews Blood aren't trying, and soil? To, trying to replace anybody, by the way. Um, but <laughs> I don't really think you dumb. need to defend that, maybe. Um, that's no, not. it's just funny that Kagro brings it up and, and it's like. There aren't like score floods of scores of Jews pouring across borders. Anywhere. Well, what does that even mean? And like Jews aren't like evangelical Christians, like the fucking feather people that have fifty million babies so that they can. No, no, we don't. Few, we don't want you fell, in our club. No, you they don't to even really show you want to get in. Like right. we put you through a year of hell if you want to be be Jewish. <laughs> yeah, and like y'all are unless not, your like, grandfather didn't buy blood by like me. I'm not religious, but I've got the. I've got the blood. Well, so. you're actually, you're, right, you're Jewish. Yeah, yeah. Jewish by ethnicity. Right. But in any event, so yeah, so, anyway. so, so what are we supposed to assume? That there was this, the Nazis organized this rally, but there were some non-Nazis that showed up just because they care about history and statues, and those people are fine people. It's like there's no defensing this. And trying to relitigate is asinine, but sure enough, on Twitter and on Fox News, they're trying to relitigate it. Oh, no, no. And Scott Adams, that idiot from Dilbert, is on, on Twitter. Oh, this is a big liberal lie. He wasn't talking about Nazis. It's like... Who was he talking about exactly? Who was he talking about? With the... Tw- you're, you're, okay, let me just, let's just picture this no, for a minute. Yeah, again, You're marching in Charlottesville, right? You're, you're really upset about this stuff. Maybe Robert E. Lee's like your fucking granddaddy or something, right? And you're like, I'm going to go protest this because I want that statue of my fucking great uncle or whatever. Not to be ever taken down. Right. And you get there and you're like, all right, statue's important. Let's talk about the statue. The statue is about history. The statue is, and then you just see all these people and they start lighting tiki torches. Screaming blood and soil. Screaming blood and soil and Jews will not replace us. And you're like, wait a minute. I think don't think this is about that statue. Wait, hold on. Where am I? No, the am problem I, it is about are, the statue. That's another problem. These are what's happening? And then you just you're like, I guess I should still march with the Nazis because the, right. of the statue. Like where at what point are you like, I'm kind of a Nazi? I cannot imagine marching beside people that's not a thing that you do unless you agree with them. Right. That's just the that's it. There is nobody even well, if you're not a part of some white supremacist group or like you don't shout Jews will not replace us in the streets, you're if you stand, if you even are complicit in them doing this, you're kind of a Nazi. So Well, no. well this is what There's I'm, no good people that did that. This is what I'm always trying to to like yeah, what is the defense? Like literally the defense of Trump is no no no, at this Nazi march that was definitely organized by Nazis 
Who said they were Nazis and these There were some people there that weren't Nazis and they marched alongside the Nazis and those people are fine people and therefore you shouldn't criticize Trump. I mean, that that is, that is the argument. <laughs> okay. That's I, it. I, I mean, I, That's it. That's the defense. Okay, run with that. Relitigate that. Let's, there were non-racist people at the lynching. <laughs> they just went... Great. For socialization, yeah, they but just they wanted to have racist. a picnic. But they weren't racist. They just liked the food. They just wanted. to I mean, I don't see understand. They just wanted to hang out with their neighbors, but they aren't racist. But they went to a lint like that. I, but this is the, the kind of shit they have been saying for decades, right? To try to not be like, oh, I know those people were organized the thing, but that's not us. And it's you know, no, no, it doesn't work. And and. There's no defensing the indefensible. And, and I, you know, like, again, are there any Republican strategists left? I mean, the, the ones that are not anti-Trump and never Trump at this point. But it's like, this is, you want this fight? Really? Right. Yeah, okay. Mitch McConnell is like, oh, this is good? It's good to bring up. Kevin McCarthy is, we, we, is we would like, like to oh, continue oh, defend. Like, I think that of all of the things he's ever said, Charlottesville is the one thing that they're like, please, if that could just go away forever. Because it's so obviously ridiculous. Well, you even have some people that work for Fox News. They're leaking internal emails like, will you shut the fuck up? What is wrong with you? This sounds like a white supremacist chat room. I'm like, dude, mm-hmm. you work for Fox, it is. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, <laughs> even from it within, they're like, what are we doing? Are you are you insane? It's just like anything to own the libs, right? Like if, if Trump says this thing and the liberals are pissed off, we better take a side. Even right. if it's siding with Nazis. Mm-hmm. So there, there are straight people on my Twitter timeline who are trying to defend this. And I'm like, you're a Nazi sympathizer. Oh, well, you're just calling names. I'm like, no, this is what you are. And Absolutely. If, if you're okay with it, you're okay with it. But what you're doing is sympathizing with Nazis. So Look, you're either it. a Nazi or you're an anti-Nazi. Look, I There's can, no middle ground there. There's no middle ground. There's nowhere to be gray. Mm-hmm. There, it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Everyone who thinks they're in the gray area... I consider to be a Nazi. Everyone who's in the gray area who's like, well, I don't know. And I, I mean, those are the people that allowed the Holocaust to happen. Mm-hmm. The people who didn't say anything, the people who didn't stop things, the people who didn't fight actively against it. I feel the same way about race now. I feel the same way about you're either racist or you're anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's it. There's no middle ground. Yeah, look, uh, if you, what they're going to try to do is gaslight us and pretend like, oh no 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 no, there it was a a rally about the statue and preserving history, and then these Nazis showed up, unfortunately, and nope. it's like, but no, nope. we know that's not nope. the case. What we was it know. called? Unite the right. It was called unite the right, but like the literature is what does still that out mean? There. But the, you don't have to guess because right? the literature and the posters said white people are under attack. Express the pride in your whiteness and help protect whiteness. And it then says that fucking Cantwell went on Vice and did an entire half an hour mm-hmm. about how he is a white supremacist. He believes in the supremacy of white people. He believes in uh, and, and that he's he's going he's organizing this rally in order to protest the erasure of white people and to. Um, to I mean, you can literally just watch it. 
Yeah. You can just watch him tell you exactly how he organized the rally, why, and it's all of these reasons. Him and Jason Kessler. Yes. And they went on every radio station and TV station and yep. blog and podcast they possibly could. Yep. And they were the organizers. Correct. We knew all this. Mm-hmm. We absolutely knew all this. And then, and then I love this. You get some of the Trump defenders out there going, well, if they were really the bad guys, how come the cops were working with them with security? <laughs> and I'm like, Because mm. cops are fucking I'm white like, I'm like, mm, yeah, think about that one. That's, I'm so glad you brought that up. Great point. MAGA, MAGA Dave 8634 Great question, MAGA great, Dave. Great question. Here's the answer. Do you know how many police officers have been affiliated with white supremacist organizations? Well, that's the problem. Then you, then you say that, and they're just like, oh, you just hate the cops. Okay, here's my question to you. Great audience, and to you, Trav. Uh-huh. When you are at a... I had this argument at work the other day. When you are at a protest, and you have two groups who are... Um, counter to each other right and the cops are there to maintain the peace is what we're led to believe right (laughs) yeah yeah the people who the cops have their backs to are who are the ones they're protecting correct obviously right you don't turn your backs on the people that you're afraid of yeah you turn your back on the people that you're protecting and I would like you to dear listeners go look at all of the footage of every white supremacist um, protest that's ever occurred and look at who the backs of the cops are turned to. And it will be every single time, every single time, the cops will have their backs to the white supremacists and the Nazis. Every fucking time, every fucking time. And they will tell you that they're protecting these people because they are framing anti-racist people and anti-fascist people, which again just means not fascist and not Nazis um, as these terrible violent protesters. Mm-hmm. I would argue that th- there's a reason for that, right? Which is that there's so many cops that are affiliated with white supremacist organizations. But I would also like to bring up a thing. To say that a protest turned violent. This is a conversation I was having the other day. A protest turned violent. What do we mean when we say that? Generally, that means Nazis were in the streets and anti-Nazis and Nazis fought, right? Mm -hmm. And at that point, at that boiling point, that's when the protest became violent, right? I would argue that the protest in and of itself, the, the presence of white supremacist is violence, yeah. It is bringing violence to the street. The presence of those people yelling, Jews will not replace us and blood and soil with tiki, to- that's violence. That is, that is already violence. And so clashing with that and protesting that isn't when it became violent. It became violent when you had racists in the streets screaming and threatening people of color and Jewish people that's when it became violent. Yes, absolutely. There's no question about it. And reasonable pe- reasonable people do understand that. So, okay, yeah, go ahead, conservatives. <clears throat> relitigate Charlottesville. Let's see how that goes. Now, fortunately, uh, it went really, really bad for those people who organized this shit after. Went Still really bad. going really bad for them, yeah. Yeah. So at least there's that. 
Um, and that's why we haven't had another one. They, they tried to do another one, and there's there's been infighting. and Yeah, you it's know. pretty fun to watch if you yeah. care to. Speaking of infighting, uh, the the NRA. Oh, Have God. you heard about this? Yeah, I, yes. I Ollie haven't, North like, read and Wayne LaPierre are sniping at each other publicly. No, Oliver North stepped down. Um, that was just this morning. Yeah. Well, let, let's give it a little what, background. Exa- right? I, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but there was like. Well, this is all happening of... at the same time. Maria Butina got uh, sentenced to 18 months, which is lame. Interesting. But um, it, it's all sort of coming to a head now in that in the last year or so, when people. First of all, everybody is sick to death of all the school shootings and the NRA just being very flippant about it. Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's become clear that the NRA is in some real trouble because they have been uh, illegally contributing to campaigns and probably taking a lot of foreign money. Um, Illegally contributing to campaigns in what way? um, Well, our friend Sarah Burris revealed that it looks like they went way over the the campaign limit for corporate donations. Interesting. Um, But everybody talks about that like it's a big deal and the FEC really has very little actual power to do anything. Um, uh, that's not true. <laughs> to a big, to, well, to us, they could fuck us, but a big group like the NRA, they'll pay a fine. Right. Sure. But, but sure. Um, anyway, with the heat turned up, when Bettina got outed, that spigot of Russian money dried up, and a lot of individual donations from people who are sick of all the school shootings dried up. And like a lot of pe- people, and like, are, yeah, I've kind of realized like the NRA is kind of fringy. They're, they've kind of gone off the rails. Yeah. They are like scary and dangerous, and and mm-hmm. used to be about like responsible gun ownership. Yeah, there's a lot of casual gun owners out there. Like we assume everybody who's a gun enthusiast or who owns guns is like super NRA crazy MAGA AR15. Like my dealer. dad's been an NRA member for years, and I think even he's like, "What is happening? We're yeah. with the Russians now. Yeah. Like I don't. Why am I giving you money? I don't know that he is a member anymore. But I mean, I think like my dad is like a responsible gun owner who likes to hunt and has some like collectible guns from like our family and like you know no i think i think thing. it's, and it's a lot sort of, of like what is happening anyway with these crazy people the nra is hurting for money yeah and nra tv is kind of turned into a debacle and it, it, things aren't going well so they're all turning on each other and they were trying to force out wayne lapierre and then lapierre is like this is all ollie north's fault and now north because, I mean, you know, what could go wrong when you <laughs> hire a guy who... God. Um, you Can you know, give us some context on Oliver North, please? For oh, the millennial the, listeners who may not know all of the things oh, about this man, please. God, all right. Here we go. Okay, so back in the 80s, the Nicaragua had a communist insurgents uprising by a group called the Sandinistas. Mm-hmm. It was so close to our backyard. Which that, is why it's funny when you say Sandinistas and you're referring to Bernie. In right. case you didn't get that. Right. Go ahead. Uh, in our, the Sandinistas uh, were uh, communists and they basically had overthrown or were in the process of overthrowing the government of Nicaragua, which is, was a right-wing dictatorship. Yes. And that made Reagan very nervous Reagan, you know, with having communists that close, it's bad enough. They're still in Cuba. We can't have them that close in Nicaragua. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Okay, well, there's this paramilitary group called the Contras. Contra just means against. Uh, They are 
basically crazy right wing awful mercenaries, but they will they want to murder communists. Um, well, we should totally we should arm them. Now we're only a little more than ten years removed from getting out of Vietnam. Yeah. So you can't you go to Congress with this. Yeah. And be like, we want to fund another civil war where we're scared of communists. <laughs> but it's just like a couple hundred miles down from our border. Yeah. <laughs> Congress is going to be like, lol. Go fuck yourself. LOL. No. no. Fuck no. off. No, we're not doing that. So Reagan goes, well, shit. How we need to arm these Contras against these Sandinistas or they're going to show up on Miami Beach, you know, and take mm-hmm. over the, the condos. Uh, you know, the old people on the rocking chairs and, you know, they're gonna, that we can't have that. Um, Congress won't do it, so what do we do? So what do we do? Okay, well... Huh. Well... I'll do my Reagan impression. Well... So how do we get money? Well, who... Really... Well, we have all these weapons we could sell. But, like, we can't, like, go to Congress and say, Well, you won't... You won't appropriate the money. We're just going to sell the money to some foreign government. Like, no, you can't do that either. Okay. But but we could get the money that way. Maybe Congress doesn't have to know about it. Well, you know who really needs and wants a lot of weapons? The Iranians. They're, they're, ready. they're about to go to war with Saddam in Iraq. Well, the Iranians are pretty scary, too. It's like, yeah, but they're way the fuck over there. Right. This you is know? Nicaragua. That's like just yeah. down the border. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, that's, that's, that's way over there. And the Israelis are a buffer. And... I'm sure it'll be fine. It's fine. We still have nukes. They don't. It's fine. I'm like, okay, that sounds a little crazy. He's like, well, we got to fund these these contrasts. Wasn't somehow. there also something going on in around that we were like, it's fine because we want to also back this other thing? Oh, yeah. We were also arming Saddam. People forget that, too. We were arming Saddam and the Iraqis with uh, not just conventional weapons, but chemical and biological weapons as well. But so we were, so we were doing that how to do and it. we were selling weapons to Iran. Yeah. But they were fighting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why not? Double, America. Double your profits. America. And again, that's part of the reason why all these neocon hawks were like, oh no, we know Saddam, we know Saddam has WMDs. So we, we showed him how we to do it. Did, we know for sure. He does. And of yeah. course, ironically, he did, he didn't. actually did get rid of them at that point. Yeah. But anyway, so... But he didn't want to say he got rid of them. It's a mess. So, so we, anyway. we decided to sell Iran a bunch of weapons of war. <laughs> yes. In order to take that money to give it to... To fund... A militia in Nicaragua. Yes. To fight communists. Yes. Who were trying to overthrow a right-wing dictatorship. That yeah. is some fucking mental gymnastics, Reagan. Yeah, not just that... It is really fucking illegal. Well, yeah. And a lot of people don't remember this, but Democrats really wanted to impeach Reagan. Really wanted to impeach Reagan. So they do this, though, and the guy who's instrumental to this is Oliver North. Yes. Right? Ollie North, retired colonel at that time. He was working in the Reagan administration. I don't remember exactly in what capacity. He's the one that... He he! All his weapon contractor buddies, and he pulled so all the strings. Authored all of this and made it all happen made behind all the happen. scenes. Don't tell Congress; it'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. And he, he he went up on Capitol Hill and part lied, part said, "Yeah, well, whoever, whatever, fuck you." And, and he then, became and he became a right wing hero for it, for defending <laughs> Reagan. Oh my God! So it started back then. Okay. Oh, yeah. So then he had to like resign, or he got fired, or. Um, I believe he was sentenced. And he did like probation or time served. Oh, he uh, was charged. Oh yes, with a crime. Oh yes. Oh. Oh yes. Oh. Oh yes, 
Yes, he was. Well, good. And then he God, was at least a, we had uh, fucking then, balls back then. Then he had a Fox News show for a while. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I can't believe you don't know all of this. No. He had a Fox News show for a while, and then I'm sure he had his own right-wing radio show. And then he became the NRA spokesman, because of course. Well, and, he's the president of the NRA at the yes, moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, he's the president, and Wayne LaPierre is the spokesman. <clears throat> Sorry, yes. I get those two idiots confused. Or he's the CEO. I don't know. It's complicated. Anyway... So that's who Oliver North is. That's who Oliver North is. And that's who was leading the NRA and, and, and then fighting. It's announced with, that he has stepped down and a lot yes. of people think it's because he is in a lot of trouble again. Imagine that. Yeah. What could go wrong? That guy loves a scandal, huh? Yeah. Like he so. Likes to do shit behind the scenes. It's shocking. You know what? I'm thinking I'm starting a hedge fund and I hear that this Madoff guy is pretty good. <laughs> right. I hear he can raise a lot of capital right. and like he's got a lot of connections. Of course, he is still in prison. It could be tough, but you know, he gets visitation. Like what could right. go wrong, right? right? Right. Thinking of starting a daycare. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know what you're going to say. <laughs> Casey Anthony? Is that? No, I was going to say like, I hear there's a bunch of priests uh, oh, that are on a list. Oh, so glad you brought that up. <laughs> You are dynamite with the segues today. <laughs> so the unctuous, disgusting, vomit-inducing Cardinal Dolan. Yes. Sort of the American Pope, in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it was announced that over 150 priests over how many years in the New York diocese have been molesting kids. Um, yep. Uh, and that number's probably way under, by the way. Yep. And Cardinal Dolan gets up there, I think it was today, and he's like, oh, no, yeah, 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 okay, this happened, but don't worry, don't worry. Those priests are all gone. They're they're gone. None of them are in the priesthood anymore. So it's fine. And we're like, oh. Now keep in mind, Cardinal Dolan is one of the most virulent anti-homophobe, anti-trans, anti-choice. I mean, yeah, I know that's the tenets of Catholicism, but he is like virulently, outspokenly, grotesquely. Yeah. um, Hates me. Yes. And... It, you, <laughs> there's no fucking way he wasn't at the center of hiding all these pedophile priests. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I hope we dig. Like, they love Cardinal Dolan. They don't like to criticize him. At least the the center and mainstream like media, like they're very hands off with Card. Oh, he's so powerful, Cardinal Dolan. You can't fuck with Cardinal Dolan. Like, but the thing is, that's the thing that crazy. It makes me crazy. These Catholic cardinals and the Catholic Church in general in this point in our history, and this is not true historically, right? This is not true in the 1200s. But today, in 2019, the only reason the Catholic Church has power is because we give them power, right? It's really not the same thing that it was before. And so this idea that he has so much power is like, from whom? Why? What power? Why does he have power? What power are we talking about? I mean, back in the 12 and 1300s, the, the church was the government, And so that makes sense. And it's like we've never recovered from this notion. But the only reason that these priests and cardinals and people have power is because we imbue it to them. Yes. They're they're not in charge of our government. They're not in charge of our budgets. They're not in charge of anything. It's just that we're like, oh, well, they're. You know, they've always had power. And it's like, what fucking power? What power? Tell me. Yeah, not that the Protestants are any better. In many ways, they're worse. But this was the whole thing with separating from the church. It's like you have all these corrupt people in charge. But we don't say that about Protestant priests or Protestant whatever they're called, preachers. We don't say, well, he has so much power. Who? Which which one? No, we we take them down with gay <laughs> sex scandals without a blink of an eye. 
right? Yeah. We don't care. You can have the biggest mega church in the world and we found out that you did meth with a gay prostitute and you're done. So why well, is it about Catholic maybe. priests that give them this this note? It's just a because notion they have of the power. In, they have the infrastructure. Of they, what? And the connections. They have the, the, high, the highest political connections and the money connections and they're embedded in local and state governments and it's just... They have created this network, this spider web. Well, it's been that way. I mean, but that's it's the thing. Been that like, way it for doesn't a thousand years. have to be that way. No, no, it doesn't. And you can just say like, "Oh, I'm sorry that you gave me a bunch of money and that you were my priest when I was a kid, but you fucking broke the law, so fuck you." Like it's it's made up power. Is but what I'm it, saying. that's the problem. Is as far as these communities are concerned, this is like family. Like they've they've grown up with these people. These people are their neighbors, and they're you know they're. Teachers and I think and certainly back when the, um, you know, back in the 50s and 60s and 70s when places like Boston, you know, like the Catholic priest did have actual political power, you know, and like yeah. people um, had a different relationship with the church than I think that they do now. And maybe that's me being naive because I'm not Catholic and I don't live in a Catholic enclave in the United States. But, <laughs> that we don't. Um, and I never have. But I, I just don't know that today we can still that that's still a thing that the catholic priests hold that kind of political sway but apparently i mean maybe i must be wrong no they absolutely do it depends where you go right and remember the the whole spotlight boston scandal that brought a lot of people down but the, the the catholic church still is alive and kicking it is and it's interesting to talk to catholics about it because they're like I don't know if I can be Catholic anymore. Some. A lot. Like, there was a whole thing um, that was trending a couple of months ago about Catholics being like, I don't know how to be Catholic right now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't know how you ever have been, but like, I, yeah, <laughs> it's a good question. Anyway, uh, I'll have to get into my people. Well, not really my people, but Hasidic Jews, but Hasidic Jews in New York. Unfortunately, some really, really, really bad advice and ideas have led to a big measles outbreak. And I'm going to talk about that. Um, and it's got nothing to do with re the religion, per se. It's got to do with insular communities. And I'll explain a little bit of that after the break. So don't go anywhere. Okay.
Hello and welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. So we have a brand new thing. It's things that made Rachel happy over the break. Happy and super angry, but like weirdly happy. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I'm going to read you an article that I was reading mm-hmm. from the HuffPost mm-hmm. from Marina Fang. Headline is Massachusetts judge charged with helping undocumented immigrant escape ICE. A Massachusetts judge was charged with obstruction of justice Thursday (laughs) by federal prosecutors who alleged that she helped an undocumented immigrant escape an ICE agent during a court hearing a year ago. Uh, Okay, I got to hear about this because this is all very confusing right off the top. It sure is. And also, like, I love it so much. I hate that she's been charged, obviously. That's the part I hate, but everything else about this makes me really happy. Massachusetts District Judge Shelley Richmond Joseph allowed the unnamed immigrant to sneak out the Newton District Courthouse back door after she learned a plainclothes ICE officer was in the courthouse to arrest him, according to the indictment. Mm-hmm. Court officer Wesley McGregor, who was accused of leading the man to the back door, was also charged with obstructing justice and with lying to a grand jury about whether he knew the ICE agent was there. The charges brought by U.S. attorney by a U.S. attorney appointed by President Donald Trump showed uh-huh. the Trump administration's continued war. Blah blah blah. Massachusetts Attorney General Mara Healey was among those who condemned the charges, criticizing what she said was a quote radical and politically motivated attack on our state and the independence of our courts. The charges violate, quote, a bedrock principle of our constitutional system that federal prosecutors should not recklessly interfere with the operation of state courts and their administration (laughs) of justice, Healy said in a statement. Judges shouldn't do that, huh? According to the indictment, the immigrant appeared in Joseph's courtroom in April 2018 on charges of being a fugitive from Pennsylvania and narcotics possession. Quote, so it's my understanding that ICE is here. Joseph said during the hearing, according to the indictment, quote, ICE is going to pick him up if he walks out the front door, the man's attorney said, proposing that the judge drop the fugitive charge and detain him on the drug charge. Quote, ICE is going to get him, Joseph asked the attorney. Yeah, the defense attorney replied. Joseph then asked a clerk to shut off the court recorder violating state rules requiring all court proceedings be recorded, according to the indictment. When the recording resumed, the defense attorney asked to speak to his client downstairs in the courthouse lockup. I would ask that he, I believe he has some property downstairs, the attorney said. I'd like to speak with him downstairs with the interpreter, if I may. Mm -hmm. Judge Joseph agreed to the request and said that she would release the man after he was taken to the lockup. After the hearing, McGregor led the immigrant, the defense attorney, and an interpreter downstairs and opened the courthouse back door, allowing the man to escape, the indictment said. Hmm. Joseph and McGregor both pled not guilty to the charges Thursday in Boston. Joseph's lawyer said the charges were absolutely political. The ACLU (laughs) of Massachusetts condemned the charges as preposterous, ironic, and deeply damaging to the rule of law. Quote, in contrast, the Attorney General William Barr's famous narrow view of what constitutes constitutes obstruction of justice, at least when it comes to President Trump, The Department of Justice has now charged a state judge and court security officer based on a theory of obstruction that is shockingly aggressive, the organization's executive director, Carol Rose, said in a statement. This decision seems to have little to do with actual facts and everything to do with enforcing the president's anti-immigrant agenda. So, well, it makes me really happy that, like, 
state judges are being told that ICE agents are in their courthouses and are allowing them to escape out the back door. Um, it makes me really angry that she was indicted on this. Like, are you yeah, fucking kidding crazy. me? Um, we've had a lot of experience th- with this in the Denver courts. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> that we have a pretty large uh, population of Latina folks here in Denver, mm-hmm. some of whom may or may not be undocumented. Um, and ICE has targeted our city because of Hancock and uh, city council's sanctuary, sanctuary city, city yeah. policy of um, invading our courthouses and arresting people when they come to court. Um, and the reason they do that, right, is of course because they know when somebody's going to be somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so they know that that's the best place for them to come get those folks. Um, Denver and Colorado as a state has asked ICE to not do that. Um, and if you're pro-law enforcement in any way, you would be against them doing this. Because mm-hmm. what this does, this policy of going to courthouses and arresting people, what that does for the justice system is make people not go to court. Yeah. Um, not testify, not show up. Um, it has really long-lasting repercussions for the community in addition to just like the sort of moral um, outrage of arresting someone in a courthouse um, for an immigration violation just because you know they're going to be there. Yeah. So this is kind of amazing that the judge was like, ICE is here? They're after him? Okay. Turn the things off. Conversation is, all right, we're not letting that happen. Um, Escort him downstairs and outside. Turn the microphone's back on and it's he needs to get some things and then the staff escorts him out of the back door so that ice doesn't get to arrest this man and i think that's fucking amazing i think it's uh a revolutionary act for a judge to do a thing like that i think it's fucking bullshit that she's been indicted an obstruction of justice what justice she's a judge in a state court yeah. ICE is a federal agency. So she's not obstructing justice. She is... States are not required to enforce federal law, right? Like, they're not They're not required to... Um, the, the, well, the big argument that we always have is, like, ICE wants us to hold people longer than the Constitution allows us to hold them because mm-hmm. they want to come pick them up because, again, they know where they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and states have said no... And those are then deemed sanctuary cities or sanctuary states because we mm-hmm. won't hold people against constitutional um, requirements. But mm-hmm. additionally, I mean, arresting people in court is a really dangerous precedent. It's a really damaging to the justice system generally. Yeah, it, it sort of it, it upends the justice system in a way. Yeah. Right. Right. It inva- Coming to court and is not a safe thing the justice to do. System. It's like stormtroopers saying, "Yeah, fuck the law. We're just here to enforce the the dictator's wishes." Right. Coming to court is not a safe thing to do. Right. And and the justice system demands that you come to court. And if you don't come to court, then you go to jail. But if coming to court means going to get deported, even though you're coming to court to testify about um, a murder or coming to court to testify about like a horrible thing, you're not going to come to court. And so it, it disincentivizes people who have unstable um, citizenship 
to not come. And a lot of those people have very important information. Baby. It's so loud. No, it's fine. <laughs> He's eating a burrito, and I'm sorry that you're hearing this, but it is... Sometimes Kegro eats while Greg's talking. Okay, but so you're with the, with, with it, the foil and the foil. It's, you nobody gotta, even would have noticed until you just No, everyone would have been like, what is that sound? It's me eating a burrito, everybody. All right. Hungry. He's eating the rest of my breakfast burrito. It's been mm-hmm. a weird day. Anyway. Keep going. Keep going with what? Your story. That's my story. And you're sticking to it? Well, talk more because I have to eat this burrito. <laughs> Sorry, God. We hey, should look, definitely have sponsors. Look, we're I so produce this show. Okay. <laughs> I'm the producer. I get away with. With stuff like I get in trouble for setting my cup down too hard on the table. Breakfast, I I have never done such a thing. (laughs) Anyway, um, it doesn't send Santiago's for their breakfast burritos. They don't. Oh my god! Just take the foil off already. I'm working on it. All of it. I'm working on it. Off. No, because I don't fall apart. All right. Anyway, this is a new section. Travis eats a burrito, (laughs) (laughs) and Rachel gets mad because what are we doing right now? Nothing. Just having a snack. This is ridiculous. What's your deal, man? Okay. Anyway, in the middle of this very impassioned speech I'm giving about the rights of immigrants and, and people are listening. Courts. You're the one that's interrupting your own story. Not me. I'm just talking to myself here, I guess. I'm, I, I don't have a co-host. I have a burrito. Listening. I have a burrito and some foil sounds, mm-hmm. and I'm telling a story to no one. Anyway, so it's incredibly disruptive. I love this judge so much for letting that man out the back door. And uh, I want to put like a black flag lapel on her, or pin on her lapel. This was in Massachusetts, you say? Uh, yes. So I'm not uh, terribly familiar with how if, if judges are elected there. Or, I mean, they must be, right? It's one of those states where they're... Um, I don't know, but she's been indicted on criminal charges, so yeah. we'll see what happens there. I mean, she may go to jail for obstruction of justice. <laughs> yeah, isn't that ironic? <laughs> uh, She'll go to jail, Trump skates. But, I mean, that's the interesting thing, is that, like, the federal government, that, like, federalism is weirdly appropriate in these days. And, like, I've talked about this before, like... You would never think of me as a person who would be into states' rights or, like, federalism as a concept, generally, because it usually is used for, like, racist Southern people to, yeah, like, further racism. Yeah, our dads should be, racism. should be really mad at the story, right? Um, no, they should be really excited. Really mad, right? Like, really mad. Because yeah. the states matter. And the states' rights matter and state courts matter. Um, and <laughs> throwing in jail a state judge... For not enforcing federal immigration law? Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, what what the fuck? What constitutional amendment is she violating? None. No, it's just... No. She's obstructing justice in what way? (laughs) It it depends what... I was going to say, it's not going to hold up in court, but it depends what court. Here's the thing, like, it's interesting. Just because I live in Denver, um, we've tried a lot of these things. And one of the things that we've won on is that like inside a city court or a county court or a state court in the the state of Colorado, like ICE has been 
heavily, you know, uh, doing things. And one of the things that we have argued is that, like, this is not federal jurisdiction inside of the courthouse is not federal jurisdiction. It is state jurisdiction. And there is no um, obligation of the state to enforce federal law inside of a state courthouse. This is not a federal courthouse. This is a state courthouse. Well, God help us if this gets to the Supreme Court and the Supremes say, no, it's fine. Well, and so when ICE people started coming into Denver County courthouses and arresting people, judges started doing crazy shit here, Mm -hmm. which is like less than what she did. They started like notifying people and like making like safe zones and like you know state judges have a lot of power like this is a state this is a federalist this is a federalism issue this is a state courthouse this is not a federal courthouse so the state runs supreme on this issue this is a state crime it's a state courthouse and the state judges hold all of the authority there is absolutely zero jurisdiction for a federal agency to step in and the federal the state judges get to do whatever they want to do and like i don't really care if you're a federal employee you're in my state court and so they were they started doing really crazy shit like kicking them out and like making safe zones and like you know all kinds of stuff in denver and Mm -hmm. nobody ever got fucking indicted over it no now this was before Trump went fucking crazy, this was like back in like 2017. Um, and so they were just like, you can't do that. And we're going to just like not let you have these people. No. Um, and nobody got indicted. And I guess they're bold enough now that like they're just going to indict state judges for exercising their jurisdiction over the state courthouse. Um, Speaking of judges exercising their jurisdiction in state courthouses, this was a pleasant surprise uh, yesterday. The Kansas State Supreme Court ruled that abortion is an inherent right and you can't pass these bullshit laws that, you know, essentially take away that right. So do you want to know some fun history on this? Yeah, please. So Kansas um, is an interesting case study for this to have happened in because there was something called the Summer of Mercy that happened. Uh, And I don't know the year. Um, but it was back in the like big days of protesting abortion rights, and mm-hmm. Kansas was the target. Sure. And so hundreds of thousands of protesters descended on Kansas and protested at abortion clinics and at the state house and at mostly abortion clinics um, with all of their like stolen dead fetus body pictures and. Um, trying to block entry to abortion clinics mm-hmm. and all of that, like the the sort of modern pro-life standing outside of abortion clinic movement kind of came out of this, quote, summer of mercy thing, and it happened in Kansas. And um, it kind of catapulted the pro-life movement into this, like, oh, we can do that. We can just go to these clinics and talk to these women and, like, hold up well, these horrible it, pictures and, it, like... It went to the Supreme Court. But hold on. This yeah. was back in the day, right? right this right. was back in the day. This is how the, the sort of pro-life movement in terms of protesting abortion clinics started. Getting more active in terms of... Right, and more, faces. like, violent and more, like, in-your-face um, mm-hmm. and, like, how a lot of those, like, challenges have happened um, in terms of, like, how far away you can be from the door and, like, what you can do to women... They didn't, we didn't have any of those restrictions back then. And so this summer of mercy is what they called it. And 
literally like hundreds of thousands of people descended upon the state of Kansas and just like did crazy shit to abortion clinics. And that, that was really the catalyst for like, what can we get away with in terms of protesting abortion clinics? And that's why we have what we have now. And what's interesting about that is that in this moment, right, in this week, Kansas is the state that has some of the most secure abortion laws in the country. They just, the Supreme Court just ruled that abortion is a constitutional right, mm-hmm. that it is a civil right of women to have. And in a state where it, the, 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 this state was the sort of boilerplate for this anti-choice movement. It's to, where Tiller to, was murdered, right? It was, yeah. Um, that, that, that it's Kansas. Mm-hmm that is now de- determined, like their state Supreme Court says, like, no, abortion is a civil right. Yeah. Period. Of course, this, the Supreme Court of the U.S. overturns that, then all bets are off, but. Sure, but that's not here nor there. Right now, if you live in Kansas, your state has determined that abortion is a civil right that you have, and that's extraordinary. If you think about the fact that, like, it's literally like 30, 35, 30 years ago that this happened, the Summer mm-hmm. of Mercy thing. Um, it's extraordinary that Kansas is the place where, like, their state Supreme Court has said, like, absolutely under no circumstances and, like, abortion is a civil right. And I... I, I thank God. Right? And, like, what, what a crazy... What a weird, like, I don't know, trajectory that is. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that the take home for me on that is like, you can be in a place that is horrible and terrible and like hates you and whatever. And then, like, 30 years later, through a lot of activism, you can be the place where. <laughs> That thing is the most safe in the country. For the time being. Right? I mean, that's, but that's activism. Mm -hmm. That's what that is. That is the women and some men of Kansas saying like, no, we're not doing that. And this is outrageous. And turning a new leaf, I guess. I don't know. But I think it's really extraordinary. Like, I think that's a thing. That the well, this the, is also the anti-choice a, uh, people yeah. thought Kansas was the best breeding ground for this kind of rhetoric, and that's where they went. And all these horrible things happened, and then all these people came out and did all of these amazing things. And now Kansas yeah. is the safest place. Well, this will be a template right? now for NARAL and ACLU and and other groups who are going to challenge these, like the law that just passed in Ohio. And right. uh, Alabama, uh, Georgia, Mississippi, mm-hmm. and they'll use the same arguments. And, you know, we don't know how those Supreme Courts will rule, obviously. But no, um, the fight is ongoing. And again, this is so lost in everything else with Trump and Russia and the election coming up. It's like yeah. they are full. These Republican controlled oh, full throttle. We're going to overturn Roe. We're yeah, done. They like they're, are, and they're not. They're not being coy about it no. the way they used to be. They used to say, "Well, this isn't about Roe v. Wade. This is about this, or this is about that. This, this about is about safety for the women. Safety These for the women. Aren't safe. This is about you know religious rights. This mm-hmm. is about safety. This is about 
But but they're not doing that right now. They're mm-hmm. saying this is about overturning Roe v. Wade. We understand that the thing that we just passed is unconstitutional, um, and we would like to see it go to the Supreme Court to see what they do. And the reason they did that is because they understand that Trump won, and we have two Supreme Court justices that he appointed, and they're really hoping that that's that, that this is the moment, right, mm-hmm. that it overturns it. So anyway. Good on Kansas. Um, I mean, it's a scary fucking time, you know. And I'm not a person who will ever get an abortion, um, just for medical reasons. But uh, it's a thing I care a lot about, and I think it's a really scary time right now. Yeah. Can I switch to back to sports for a minute? Ugh, why? Because yeah. you're going to find it interesting. All right, go ahead. So the NFL draft has been like these past three days. They've now extended it to a three-day bonanza for ratings. Right. It's like on TV, and I don't I don't even know what yeah. it is or care, and but yes. One of the very highest uh, prospects that was drafted, uh, second overall, is this kid from uh, originally from South Florida, went to play mm-hmm. football at Ohio State. His brother... His older brother is already in the NFL for San Diego. His father, Interesting. His father played for the uh, Dolphins briefly, and he had a bunch of injuries. Is this a white guy? Oh, yes. Because I'm like, if it's generational, it's got to be like yeah, oh, white guy. Hold on, though. Okay. And while he was at Ohio State, he became very controversial for being very outspoken on Twitter for his love of Donald Trump oh, God. and love of anti-immigrant rhetoric and other mm. very gross rhetoric, occasionally mm. re- retweeting and sharing on Instagram stuff from actual white supremacists. Okay. And what is his, What? why is he important again? Well, he's the, he was very, very talented and he's the second overall pick in the draft. Oh, he's number two in the draft. Okay. And, and guess what team drafted him? San Francisco. What? So he's headed to San Francisco. Now, Aww. unlike... Uh, well, but hold on a second. Baby. Yeah, well, the kid... He's going to be so uncomfortable. Oh, hold on, hold on. This You'll like this because this ties back into Biden. Um, this kid is 21, 22, I don't know. And he had the good sense to do a couple things. He... Went back and cleaned up his Twitter and Instagram. He got rid of all that shit. Mm. And he came out and and he apologized. He said, I'm really sorry. You know, this I these are not my views. I was made mistakes. And like even this this knuckleheaded twenty-two-year-old football player has the good sense. <laughs> to he it, did. Even he, if he doesn't mean do you, it. Do you think that he do you think that like he did a good job of it for a twenty-two-year-old? Better than Biden. Better than Biden. Oh. Now, I still think this kid is a garbage person and he could be a racist. Hey, he's 22. He's about to go to an incredibly diverse state <laughs> and tolerant and like accepting. And he's going to. Na- Nancy Pelosi. He's going to learn some rep. lessons. Nancy Pelosi is oh, his Oh, I rep. love it. He's going to learn some lessons. And you know what? He's not 70. How old is Joe Biden? Five? Like, he's not 70, he's 22, and he yeah. said some shit when he was a teenager, because he was raised the way he was raised. I'm not giving him a pass. I'm saying, I think it's very good that he go to San Francisco and 
Let's see how that does. And yeah. if he comes out racist, then fuck him. But like, let's give him a chance to be like, I fucked this up and I don't feel that way. And he's raised by like racist Trump parents. Like, I don't know. Let's give him a minute. I heard something else, though. The number one draft pick was a black kid. Yeah, Kyler Murray. And he has some like amazing backstory that I don't know they about. They apparently all do this year. Yeah. But... So that is the number one draft pick. The number two is this white kid, right? Yes. And then Trump like congratulated the white kid and said nothing. Yes, about because the black he kid. retweeted all the Trump things and the racist things and the anti-immigrant things. That's the guy. Yeah. So you had heard about it. I only heard that Trump like snubbed the number one draft pick to talk about the number two draft kid that like. Yeah, was Kyler Murray who went to way. Arizona, but um, do you gotta love that this kid Boza? I forget which Boza because there's so many of them. Uh, Nick, I think is his name, ends up going to San Francisco because you know if he just if he went to Tennessee or if he went to Mississippi. Well, there's no NFL team in Mississippi. All right. But, well, you know, you know what I mean. Atlanta, maybe or mm, no, not Atlanta. <laughs> Would have fit right in with the New England Patriots, but anyway. No, I love it. I hope that my hope is that that kid goes to San Francisco. And learns a thing or two. Maybe, but remember, even in San Francisco, there's plenty of horrible, awful people. Of course. They're just in a minority. And, and a well, lot of times... still the majority. It's just the, the the culture of the city doesn't allow for that kind of behavior. And in a, a lot of times, the, the horrible right-wing racist people in cities like that are even worse because they feel so yeah. um, encircled, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they, they get way more entrenched. Yes. Because they feel like they have to. Yeah. Like even it, in our, even in Denver. Oh, right? sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But like people think like California, that's so liberal. It's like. No, have you been to Orange County? The, yeah. There's a shitload <laughs> of conservatives there and they are awful. You think about awful. Oregon, everyone goes Portland and it's like literally. Get outside of Portland. Um, yeah. Oregon is Texas. <laughs> and Portland is Austin. Yeah. You get outside Portland and it's. Horrible. It's just way many people, way more, way more people. But you know, when you do the uh, ratios of right, it's the same thing with Washington. Yeah, you go to Seattle, great. It's maybe parts of Spokane. mm, Yeah, Seattle, Tacoma. Yep, parts of that, and then outside of that, it's Texas. Texas. Yeah, it's the same thing, especially up there, which is a rich history of white supremacy. That Oregon basically became a territory out of trying to become an all-white state. Yeah, um, we can get into that at some point. Sure, and um, Colorado's got a lot of that too, and then and then uh, not in the same way. Like Oregon, there's a there's a long a, clan history. We that's a different thing. Yeah, like Oregon kind of specifically made itself to be like a white state. Yeah, um, and then that didn't. And then fly. of course when you when you visit places then like North Dakota. Where there are no big cities for to find refuge. <laughs> I've been in. to the biggest cities there, and it's such a joke. But anyway, yeah. it's not a city. And then you realize what a nightmare it is to live in a place like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, I hope he goes to San Francisco, and I hope that his eyes are opened, and I hope that he becomes. Uh, I don't know that he will do that. I mean, he's from South Florida. That's already a pretty diverse. You're from place. South Florida. It's not I mean, San Francisco, but all right. I'm just saying, maybe he'll be a garbage person. I'm just I'm saying. Sure I'm be. hoping with his mea culpa, that's well, better you know, than Joe Biden. He's got a target on his back now because those dudes in the NFL, like, you know, they they don't fuck around. A lot of them, they're very outspoken about how mm-hmm. they feel, and mm-hmm. um, so he may feel like a minority on his team. What would that feel like? <laughs> 
Yeah. He may feel like an outsider and like people don't like him for reasons. I guess it's different in college. Like, you know, their sense of of social justice and politics isn't fully formed for a lot of these kids. Mm -hmm. So even though, you know, he was on a very diverse football team in college, it's different when you get to the pros because now you're dealing with adults Mm -hmm. and they're going to tell you what they think. Yeah. So. And if you're an asshole, I don't think you're going to last that long. So there's that. We got about 15 minutes left. What else did you want to talk about? I can bitch about Bernie a little bit. I did want to talk about Bernie, yeah. So Bernie did two things. Um, oh, God, I only had one. What's the other one? Well, the other one, he <laughs> he, he made up for it a tiny bit. But the oh. first one, what what do you, what do was the symposium? It was like the women of Symposium for Women of Color. In... It wasn't called that, but it was no. essentially, yes, a lot of women of color. Um, I can look it up really quick because that might be important, but just... Well, to make a long story short, he he got, and it wasn't just him. There were several candidates that visited this forum. Right. And he got a very direct question about how he would deal with racial injustice and racism. And he went, he went straight to his millionaires, billionaires, economic inequality spiel. He didn't even acknowledge the question really. And audible groans and boos from the audience. So it didn't start, like it started with that though. Like, apparently when he came out, um, it was like, people were not happy. No, but but very, but there. very specifically, he got a very specific question. A softball question. Like, are, is racism bad? Yeah, it's bad. And he fucked that up. Yep. He's standing in front of a group of mostly women of color, and when asked about, like, how are you going to deal with racism in America, he started talking about, healthcare and income inequality and like the women in the room literally there was one woman who was like come on yeah yeah and then like everyone else was just groaning and then he was he lit the, this is the worst of it okay he's like that's already bad enough right he's standing in front of this group of women of color and he says that and then they groan and some woman says come on and you know what he says I marched with MLK. Yep, he pulled that. I marched with Martin Luther King. Guys, I've been doing this for years. Bernie and I'm like, people. are you serious right now? We're, we're doing the same thing in 2016. You do not get to stand in front of a bunch of black people and say, I marched with MLK yeah, yeah, when yeah. they don't agree with you. They are black. They literally live this every single day, every moment of their lives, they have to be black. And you, fucking 40 years ago, went to a march? That would be like if in 2040, you just didn't care about women for 40 years. And then you said to me as a woman, as a young woman in 2040 or 2050 or whatever it is, well, I went to the Women's March in 2016. <laughs> I went to the Women's March, so you're not allowed to criticize God, me. I got so much to say about this. but I mean, seriously, that's me... what it feels like. And they literally like groaned. People were walking out. Like, it was just like, fuck this guy. Let me, let me, let me share with you another story. Because the other day, I got into a conversation with a, a, what do they call themselves? A Bernie babe. Oh, God. And I used I to f- call them Sandernistas, but. Right. And I thought it was going to go like the anti-vaxxer I tried talking some sense mm, into a few mm-hmm. weeks ago. But oh, God, you had a Bernie babe recently? I didn't have a Bernie babe. I, I just mean... I talked to one. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. And she's this um, very progressive lady, but she's from uh, South Dakota. Oh, God. So she doesn't know anything. But 
You know, she wants to be very... <laughs> I don't know that we can paint everyone from South Dakota as not knowing anything. No, well... Uh, just white people from South okay, Dakota, that, that, that's generally. that's generalization. Yeah. But Go anyway, ahead. so we, we had this conversation, but it actually went way better than I thought, because she came in with the whole, well, the 2016 was rigged in the DNC, mm. and I was like, mm. okay, back up. Mm. And I laid out the facts, and I laid out just specifically, Bernie lost... Because he did not con- connect with people of color, very specifically women of color, who are the core of the Democratic base. And then I listed all the reasons why and included quotes and clips and everything else. And she was like, oh, oh. Oh, good. Oh. Good. Oh, like, I didn't know that. I did- And then you wouldn't know that because she watches right. the Young Turks and she right. just follows the Bernie people online and they don't talk about that stuff. Mm-mm. They don't. They never even mention people of color. Who? What are people? Oh well, Bernie. We know Bernie cares about people of color. Moving on, right? Right. right. And so, white people are like obviously. And, and this is guys. This is what we bitch about. We just didn't decide. Ooh, we don't like Bernie. Like no. we we realized like. Again, remind everybody, we caucused for Bernie. We raised money for Bernie. We were caucus captains for Bernie. We hosted people at our home for Bernie. (laughs) We did the whole thing. And then we watched it all crumble because I'm like, oh, my God, he doesn't know how to talk to black people. Or he refuses to. No, he knows how to talk to black people. He He doesn't know. He No, he knows exactly how to talk to black people because he knows exactly what they're going through. And then he refuses to talk to white people about black people. And black people notice that shit, by but the way. He also refuses to talk to black people about black issues, apparently. No, as they we just did. Saw the other day. Right. But, like, mostly, yeah, exactly. Right. But th- yes. this is what we warned about. We When when we were talking months ago, like, it looks like Bernie's going to get in, and we're like, guys, he's going to do the same shtick, and he, once again, is not going to get the core of the party behind him. And he's going to lose, and we're going to do the same dance again with the DNC. And is, everybody is was him. like, no, no, no. It's, that was all 2016. It was because of Hillary. And then he went and stood in front of a bunch of black women, and they were like, boo. Next. Yeah. and, and Fucking take a motherfucking seat, sir. Now We're the, done with you. At the very least, it appears that he has somebody in his orbit that realizes this is a problem. Because the very next day... Um, he had this big thing on Twitter, and I think he said something live about how um, it, there's a horrible discrepancy in um, infant mortality among black women. That was following Elizabeth Warren's policy proposal about how to reduce uh, maternal mortality rates among black women. I mm-hmm. would like to point out that she has a literal binder about that. I'm sure and she And then does. he was like, yeah, that. We should make black women not die when they have babies. That I'll get yeah. on that board. But he went. He. I'm went, just saying that's important to point out. Yeah. No. Absolutely. She, she absolutely. did this whole thing, and then he was like, "See, I like black women. I agree with this thing that I didn't decide on or know about, but now I'm saying is my idea." Sure, but if Bernie hadn't had the gaffe before, I bet he would have just gone to. You know what causes that? Economic. Economic inequality. inequality. Yeah. If we made everyone economically equitable, then we wouldn't worry about black women right. specifically right. and how doctors treat them differently. So at least somebody maybe is in his ear and maybe he's learning something. But I'm I, I I'm telling you, it's going to be the same shit. And and he does it for several reasons. One is he's tone deaf. Uh, another reason is he, he he wears that, you know, this thing with Biden, like, don't you know who I am and what I've been doing? How dare you say I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't mm-hmm. care enough. And then the third thing is, people don't want to hear this either. Like, he is courting the Trump voters who are just 
uh, it didn't work out. I don't like the tax cut. I don't like these. He's a dick on Twitter. He's gone a little too far with the with some of the other things. Yeah, maybe I'll vote for Bernie. Like he wants those people, but he's not going to get them if he goes full on. You know, socialist. Yeah, full on social justice. No, not, not, not economically, it's fine, but I mean, full on social justice warrior right. for people who aren't white. Right. He's scared of losing those people. And he wants those people, and we know he wants those people because, because the last. Because he pushed for open primaries. That's right. That's right. Why Remember. do you think he wants open primaries? Do we actually think there's all these super progressive people out there who just are decided to not affiliate? There's a death smattering of them. There's not millions of them. There are. Millions of white people who like, eh, maybe some of the Trump stuff didn't work out for him, but they're plenty racist. But you know what? They really don't want their social security fucked with. And this tax break really was bad. And, you know, they really don't like the big banks and all that. I mean, they love all the racist shit, but sure. And Bernie wants to try to peel some of them off. Yep. That's that's his goal. That's his game plan. Yeah. That's the inside straight he's going for. Yes. And it's not going to work because A, there's not enough of those people. And B, is that the candidate we want? Well, that's the thing that's baffling to me, is when you try to win the Democratic primary, you have to remember that a lot of states don't have open primaries, first of all. And even when you do, I don't know how many of these people are going to vote in a Democratic primary for Bernie. (laughs) And C, like... If you want to win a Democratic primary, it's not a good idea to alienate black women um, and people of color and LGBT people and talking about identity politics. Joe Biden has the same problem, by the way. Joe Biden's hot take take on identity politics is it's just not necessary because we have a unity thing. Um, But he's not he doesn't do the thing where like you ask him about black people and then he's like income inequality. Joe Biden is a little more nuanced where he's like, of course, black people are great and blah, blah, blah. Right. Bernie's like black people. Let's go back to this thing. (laughs) I have literally no other answer to any question that you ask me. I know. I know. It was painful to watch. Like I'm not going for Bernie and I don't care if he crashes and burns and it was embarrassing and painful to watch. It was. It was like why? It was. And like literally hearing the groans of the women in the crowd were like, listen, Bernie, do you hear me? (laughs) That's the sound of all of your base right now. When you say to every question that answer... That sound that you're hearing, that guttural groan from a crowd of thousands of people is how we feel about you. Yeah. Period. Yep. It's just, it's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Elizabeth Warren because now people are starting to notice like, oh, we got really, we got. Dude, can we talk about Elizabeth Warren for a minute? We're almost out of time, but like we got really excited about Mayor Pete. But oh, I guess Elizabeth Warren is actually doing all this policy stuff. Elizabeth Warren would like to cancel student loan debt. I know. Do you you know her plan? Uh, Yeah, I've heard about it. Because nobody's talking about what the plan is and it's fucking brilliant and I love her and I fucking love her. Um... Anyone who makes less than $250,000 a year will receive $50,000 in student loan repayment, mm-hmm. and that will be paid for by taxing the 1%. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It will massively boost the economy. You bet. Can you imagine if everybody who had no more student loan debt had that three, four, five, six, seven hundred dollar payment gone, how much more money they would spend in the economy? Of course. How many houses they would buy, 
Toys R Us might come back. Houses, Shit, we might even have cars. kids. We might even have kids and Toys R Us could come back. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a massive, massive, massive amount of money. And it's super controversial for people who don't have student loan debt. And the only argument they have is, I don't want to pay for your debt. And it's um, like, you know what? Well, I don't think it's people who have actually paid off their loans even saying that. I think it's like bank lobbyists and Republicans just saying, oh, this isn't fair to those people. I think most of those people are like, that sounds fine to me. Right. Maybe there's a few who are like, you know, Scrooges. But I think most people would be like, fine, too bad. You, too you, bad I didn't like, benefit from it. But. Correct. But like, honest to God, can you imagine the boom to the economy that that would provide? Of course. Of course. Six, five, six hundred bucks well, here's a the, piece Here's the dirty little month. secret, right? You know, like the Beltway media loves to say like, oh, it's all about policy, but they don't give a fuck about policy. No, but I do. I'm, so do I. And this is a policy so that like, everybody. people are like, oh, I like, that's a good idea. Well, we'll talk a lot more about this next week. Um, you know, I think we're, the field is going to be starting to get narrower sooner than we think. <laughs> Hick is still running. <laughs> He raised a bunch of money, which is like a couple million bucks. But like, yeah, he got a couple oh, million. Good for him. I keep forgetting he's running. Yeah, and Bennett apparently too. Okay, <laughs> so that's right. gonna do it for us. We'll see you next week at Irreverent Duo. Reverend Testimony at Gmail dot com. Uh, Patreon dot com slash Travis Burrito Fund to buy me more burritos <laughs> to eat on the air. God, no. Okay. <laughs> All right. Talk to you next week. Bye.